Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 42 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. Topic number one, biggest topic of the sports week has got to be a trade in the NBA, and that would be the trade of Russell Westbrook, the former MVP, being traded to the Washington Wizards for one John Wall. I'm a big fan of both of these players. So it's interesting to see that they get traded with their massive contracts. They both have, they're both getting paid an absurd amount of money, pretty much identical. $38 million a year. Uh, I need a dollar. I need a dollar. So really, that's why the trade was able to be done because a lot of people have seen John Wall's contract as untouchable. Same with Russell Westbrook. People didn't see a lot of value in him for some reason, even though he's a former MVP. Like I said, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Russell Westbrook first. Um, Look, the guy goes out there with so much intensity. He plays so hard every night you know Russell Westbrook is going to lay it on the line every single night and give you a hundred percent of what he can do it's that's just who Russell Westbrook is I think he takes it a little overboard tries to do a little too much forces the issue sometimes which ends up being a little detrimental to him and his team I, I think he just needs to make better decisions on the court and I think he could succeed more. He just honestly needs to slow down. If there's a guy who goes 110%, he needs to bring it down 10% so he's only given 100%. But Russell Westbrook is one of the ultimate competitors in our game today. I'm a big fan of watching him play. He's very exciting. And he still gets the job done. Like I'm surprised that he's so people considered his trade value so low because the guy averaged 27.2 points a game. Eight rebounds, seven assists. Still your typical Russell Westbrook um, outing. The guy, he just he needs to get better at the outside shooting, particular with the three. He only shoots twenty five percent from there. I think last year he was statistically the worst three point shooter uh, in the league amongst those who qualified for that. Uh, he just literally all you need to do, Westbrook, is just make better decisions on the court, and you can make your team better. You can make yourself look better. It just He just makes some foolish mistakes out there that don't need to be made. But with that being said, I think that the Wizards did win this trade by trading for a player like Russell Westbrook. First of all, it makes their team, adds that much energy to their team. Russell Westbrook su- succeeded in getting the Thunder when they lost Durant to the playoffs to make them relevant. And now the Wizards are now relevant. Look. I like the pairing of John Wall, Bradley Beal. I think they're a dynamic backcourt, but the pairing of Russell Westbrook with Bradley Beal is way greater, way greater than what it is with John Wall and Bradley Beal. So I think the Wizards win that the trade strictly because they got the better player. At this point in time, Russell Westbrook is better than John Wall. And I would say throughout his entire career, Russell Westbrook has been better than John Wall. John Wall has just battled a lot of injuries. Frankly, he hasn't played a game in, what, two years? We haven't seen him step on the basketball court in two years. Frankly, he hasn't played a full season in three years. 
and he's been in the league nine years. I do do enjoy thoroughly watching John Wall play. His, his playmaking, very dynamic, athletic guy. It's going to be interesting, though. He's coming back from an Achilles injury, and not many guys can come back from that and be the same kind of player that they were, especially a guy who relies on his speed and athleticism. Hopefully the Achilles doesn't hold him back. I want to see John Wall and healthy and playing like he used to. But wow, I'm just I'm I'm worried for him and I do think though that this does help the Rockets. I honestly think this trade is good for both teams. But I think the Wizards overall won it because they got the better player. But I think it does make the Rockets better in the sense that now Harden doesn't have to you know, defer sometimes to Westbrook and let Westbrook do his thing for some time. Now it's really, this is Harden's team. It's always been Harden's team. But when it comes to pairing him with a guy, you want a guy who really compliments him. Like I think Chris Paul really complimented James Harden well. They just didn't get along. That's why it didn't work out and Chris Paul was traded for Russell Westbrook. That's how that worked. But I think with a complimentary player who already is a pass-first kind of guy in Wall, a playmaker like John Wall, He's going to give, he's always going to defer to James Harden. I think he was going to do the same thing regardless what team he was coming back with. If the Wizards kept him, he was always going to defer to Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal's averaging 30 points a game. James Harden, he's averaging 35 points a game. Wall is going to defer to him. And I think that that dynamic of Harden and Wall is actually going to work pretty well if Wall can stay healthy. I'm just. The health is just the biggest concern. But apparently, the rumors are that Harden wanted to play with Wall, that he preferred to play with him. And it makes sense, because Wall is really a pass-first point guard, whereas Russell Westbrook is a I'm-a-do-it-myself kind of point guard. Like, I'm going to go out there and do it. I think I do think Russell Westbrook gets a bad rap as, oh, he doesn't play well with others. I don't think that's true at all. A ton of teammates have come out and spoken about how Russell Westbrook is the best teammate they've had or ever had. Ernest Cantor, he said this before. Steven Adams says he's a great guy. Austin Rivers says um, Westbrook is a great teammate. A, a ton of players have come forward and say that Russell Westbrook is great and has changed the way they play the game and has made them think differently about the game and has been nothing but spectacular. So this rap that Westbrook gets that he's a bad teammate is frankly just created by the media because even Durant, who left, and after he left, said that the media is treating Westbrook unfair, saying he's a bad teammate. Guys just want to find better situations, you know? That's not to say that Russell Westbrook isn't a great guy, good teammate, anything like that, but I just think Russell Westbrook gets a bad rap from the media just because of how he plays at the end of games. I just think he needs to slow it down a little bit and use his basketball IQ. He's a smart basketball player. He knows how to go out there and win and what to do to be successful. I think he just needs to slow it down a little bit, make better decisions. But I like the trade for both of these teams. I think it improves them immensely. Um, Not immensely, but... I really think it makes the Wizards a playoff team. I don't know if they were going to be that with John Wall coming back. Um, The East is definitely going to be tougher. If you just look at the Eastern Conference, though, the Wizards, they were already close to playoff contention this past season when John Wall wasn't there. Yeah, they were invited to the bubble. But if you look at it, 
I'm there. Uh, obviously, the teams that are better than them, first and foremost, Milwaukee, Toronto, the Celtics, the Heat, 76ers, Brooklyn. Uh, that, that's six teams right there. And then from there, I think they can be right up there with the Pacers, uh, the Hornets, the Hawks, the Magic. Like, they'll for sure be fighting for the seventh or eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Because, yeah, the Hawks got better, but they were really the only team that improved. This makes the Wizards better. This improves their team. So, I actually, the Wizards got better in this deal. It's going to be fun to see how this dynamic works of Bradley Beal and Westbrook. And it should be noted that Westbrook makes guys better. He really does. I think Harden was a solidified player to the point where, okay, you can't really improve Harden's game all that much. But he turned Paul George, PG-13%, into an MVP candidate. Paul George had a career season when he played with Russell Westbrook. Victor Oladipo turned into a phenomenal player after playing with Russell Westbrook and learning from him. Westbrook makes guys better. He's going to make a young player like Bradley Beal keep improving his game after just averaging, what, 13 points a game? Excuse me, 30 points a game? Beal is a monster. He's unbelievable at the offensive end. So I really think... Really think this is going to make the Wizards a lot better. Makes them a playoff team. Makes them more interesting. Brings them relevance to a franchise that, frankly, hasn't been relevant <laughs> ever. They really haven't. You know, they've had a couple playoff series that John Wall and Bradley Beal got them to, but and as far as that, it's like they haven't really seen much success since the Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson years. So it makes them better, but I I think it also makes the Rockets better. And I think Harden will enjoy playing with the pass-first point guard, just like he did with Russell, uh, with Chris Paul. Uh, he likes where a guy will defer to him. And I think he didn't enjoy having to share the shine, not shine necessarily, but really share the ball with Russell Westbrook, who demands the ball. Uh, I think John Wall can play off the ball a little better than Westbrook. Um, I, just, I think they're a better matchup than what... Uh, Harden and Westbrook were giving you. So I would say it improves both of these teams, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be thoroughly enjoyable to watch both of them uh, in new cities because John Wall has been on the Wizards his entire career. In his nine years, he has only played for the Wizards. So to see him in another uniform will be awesome. It's, you know, unfortunate to see Westbrook bouncing teams like this, but I think it will work for the best for him to be with the Wizards and... That also means we get more Durant-Westbrook matchups when the Wizards play the Nets. (laughs) And that is just going to make things so much more interesting when it comes to basketball to see rivals go up against each other. So I'm a big fan of that. So that's topic number one. Let's move on. Topic number two. Let's stay in the NBA and kind of break down how more of these teams do. So last time I broke down the Pacific Division So we're going by division of team breakdowns of what they've done this offseason. So let's stay with the Western Conference and the division in which John Wall was traded to. And we'll start with the Rockets. So, yep, they just traded for John Wall, um, traded away Russell Westbrook. They signed Kenyon Martin Jr. That's right, Kenyon Martin's son was the 52nd overall pick. 
and the Rockets picked him up. Rockets didn't sit by in free agency either. They made moves. They signed Christian Wood. He played for the Detroit Pistons, came on really strong for them. It's a big signing. He was a really sought-after free agent, and I think he'll fit very nicely playing alongside James Harden and now playing alongside John Wall. So I think Christian Wood' projection of getting better is moving in the right direction. They also signed one of my favorite players, DeMarcus Cousins. So the pairing, the Kentucky boys, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, the former teammates at the University of Kentucky, finally get to play with each other. I've always wanted DeMarcus Cousins to go to the Wizards to play with John Wall, and now I get to see this happen with the Houston Rockets. Uh, <laughs> how great. I know both guys have battled injuries throughout their career, especially DeMarcus Cousins the past few years, just like John Wall. It it has been a shame to see these guys get hurt when at one point DeMarcus Cousins was fighting for possibly being the best center in the NBA when he was with the Sacramento Kings. And then he finally was paired with Anthony Davis in the Pelicans. I thought they were a great tandem. And then Boogie got hurt. And he's just bounced around the league since then fighting injury. He was on the Warriors there. Uh, then he was on the Lakers last year. Got hurt with the Lakers. It's just, mm, it's unfortunate to see these guys struggle through injury when they had so much promise. But I'm excited DeMarcus Cousins says he's back healthy and ready to go, and I really hope he can stay healthy because a starting lineup of John Wall, James Harden, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, and I don't know, what do you want to throw? P.J. Tucker out there? Maybe play Harden at the three? Throw Eric Gordon in at the two spot? And they got a nice little team there. That's a nice little starting five that the Rockets have. So I don't, I don't expect the Rockets to fade too much. I think this just... This is moving to try and keep James Harden around after he requested a trade the Rockets I expect them to hold on to him for the time being start the season with him see how this team plays together and I really like the people on this team now they did lose a lot of guys they lost Robert Covington they traded him to the Portland Trail Blazers obviously lost the former MVP Russell Westbrook free agent that they lost Jeff Green he signed with the Brooklyn Nets um Damari Carroll Tyson Chandler Michael Frazier they re-signed Gerald Green, uh, the Rockets did, so he's coming back on a one-year deal. They lost Austin Rivers, he signed with the Knicks. Luke Mba Mute is still a free agent. So the Rockets, they're not done making moves. Yeah, training camp has already started, but I expect them to keep signing more guys, bringing guys in, because the season's right around the corner. I mean, <laughs> we are just 18 days away from the start of the regular season and preseason. Preseason NBA basketball begins the 11th. December 11th, that is one week away, people. The NBA, uh, it felt like it just ended. We haven't even fully celebrated the Lakers just winning the championship. And here we are already starting the season. And boy, I can't wait. So the the Rockets, they're an interesting team to look out for. So even with all the, the news and storylines that are going into it, I like where this team is at and the direction that they're moving. Second team that I want to talk about in this Southwest Division of the Western Conference would be my favorite team in the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks. You know, they, they made a, a few moves here and there. Let's start with the trades that they made. They traded for Josh Richardson. They traded Seth Curry, Steph's younger brother, to the 76ers for Josh Richardson. Uh, improves the defense. 
for sure. To slide him next to Luca at the shooting guard position, Tim Hardaway at the three. Uh, I like that backcourt right there. They also got James Johnson from the Minnesota Timberwolves via the Oklahoma City Thunder. And um, who else they got? They got Wes Awandu. He played for the Orlando Magic last year. They re-signed J.J. Barea uh, to a one-year deal and re-signed Willie Cauley-Stein. So made a few improvements. Uh, we'll see. At this point, it's Luka and Porzingis' team. Porzingis is not supposed to start the regular season as he's coming off injury, uh, but he will be back in due time. Luka at this, is going to be a front-runner for the MVP this year. Uh, he's one of the favorites to win it. I think he's second, according to the Vegas odds makers out there. And they usually know what they're talking about. He's Luka's going to be phenomenal. The way he's been improving year in, year out um, has been spectacular. I expect him to keep moving in the right direction, keep getting better. And he's just a phenomenal player. Love where the Mavericks are headed. Uh, they still got cap space so they can make moves. They did lose a few guys. You know, Seth Curry, like I said, was traded to the 76ers for Josh Richardson. DeLon Wright, he goes to the Pistons via trade. Uh, Justin Jackson's headed to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Free agents, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who they uh, signed after he was released by the Hornets. He's headed to the Knicks. Courtney Lee um, is another guy who's out. So I think the Mavericks improved enough to possibly move up in the Western Conference standings. They had the seventh seed it's just it's it's a stacked western conference you know but they're going to be right there in the thick of things i like where this team is headed uh just going to be a fun team to watch really and just looking at this team uh, i really like where they're headed and love mark cuban best owner in sports and the mavericks just moving in the right direction third team let's talk about the up and comers who the NBA just wants to shine so hard. That would be the New Orleans Pelicans. They made some moves. They traded Drew Holiday and they bring over Eric Bledsoe from the Milwaukee Bucks. They also traded for Oklahoma City Thunder Center, center Stephen Adams. I mean, whew, strongest man in the NBA right there. So with the starting lineup, you got to. Th- I don't know if Bledsoe is even going to start for this team, or if they're going to give the reins to Lonzo, or maybe they start Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe. They re-signed Brandon Ingram to a max extension. Obviously, they got the runner-up for Rookie of the Year, and hopefully future superstar Zion Williamson at the four, and then bringing in Adams. It's a, it's a very nice starting lineup. I think Zion will only get better. They bring in a new coach as well, Stan Van Gundy. We saw him succeed with the Orlando Magic, getting them to the finals uh, for the second time in franchise's history. All the way back in 2009, though, yeah, he set the Pistons back a few years when he took over as coach and GM, president of basketball operations. I think he was just given too much power. I think with David Griffin being in the GM, president of basketball operations role, Stan Van Gundy strictly being there for coach, uh, he said that no one's going to punk this team. No one's going to bully them. So I, I like where this team with the Pelicans is headed. They're a young up-and-coming team. They bring in a couple nice veterans of Bledsoe. Stephen Adams also signed Willie Hernan Gomez. He played for the Hornets last year. And uh, like I said, re-signed Brandon Ingram. 
they also got in uh, Gabriel from the Trailblazers. He he was all right, a decent inside guy, nothing too special. But it should be noted they did lose Drew Holiday with uh, he was part of the Bledsoe trade. Um, they also lost Darius Miller, um, lost Jaheel Okafor, Derek Favors, Etwan Moore. Um, so they did lose a few key guys for them. Uh, Okafor went to the Pistons, Favors went back to Utah, and Etwan Moore is with the Phoenix Suns. So I do like where this Pelicans team is headed. I think they bring in the right coach, a guy who's shown that he can adapt to any situation that he's in. I think he'll be good for the young players to get them to play hard. He said, no one's going to punk us. So I really like Stan Van Gundy as a coach. He's going to improve this team immensely. And again, another team, they will be fighting for a playoff spot. This Western Conference is tightly packed. I mean, it is tight. It is really tight. I would say the top is the Lakers at this point just because they're the defending champs and they got a little better, but my goodness, the talent around the Western Conference, it, it, obviously it's a better basketball conference uh, compared to the Eastern, but Maui, wowie, it is going to be fun. Uh, next team, let's talk about those, um, let's talk about those Memphis Grizzlies. Huh? They, they really didn't do much. They traded for Mario Herzonia. Um, from the Portland Trailblazers, I guess they got Desmond Bain with the 30th overall pick, Xavier Tillman Sr., 35th overall pick, uh, Killian Tilly, he went undrafted, two-year deal, and Jaheel Tripp, uh, he was undrafted as well. Um, I guess they lost Josh Jackson, he went to the Pistons. No one really other than that, I guess Anthony Tolliver too, just not a lot that this Memphis team can do they're just a young team at this point with the rookie of the year John Morant Brandon Clark Jaron Jackson they're moving in they're just a young team they're much like the Pelicans except the Pelicans were really making moves just because they're in a now we got to ramp it up I think the Grizzlies are going about this a little different way and just like hey we got our core of young guys like let's just keep trying to move in the right direction from here and get better Every day, so I expect Ja Morant to improve off a spectacular rookie season. Him, Jaron Jackson are a nice point guard post combo. Brandon Clark stepped up real nicely for them. Just think the Grizzlies are moving in the right direction. I don't think they'll be really in playoff contention because I think a lot of teams got better with Golden State coming back as well. Um, The only team that's really going to fall off is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Everyone else who was fighting for playoff contention. So the Grizzlies should be right there. They should be right there as they keep improving, but the Suns got better. Warriors are going to be back. It's going to be fun. This Western Conference is tight nips. The final team in this division that we have to speak on, the San Antonio Spurs. They didn't do much of anything at all. They made some draft pickups of... Devin Vassell with the 11 overall pick. They signed Trey Jones out of Duke with the 41st overall pick. Um, I guess they lost Byron Forbes, Marco Bellinelli. Look, it's Pop. Pop still one of, is still the best coach in the NBA. He's just dealing with a lot. DeMar DeRozan, we will see how long he will be on this team. It just... 
you, you know, the Spurs have kind of faded since, you know, Dun- Duncan has stepped away as an assistant coach now. They got Becky Hammond on, still on the sideline, which is nice to see. I think she's like the number two overall assistant under Pop. It's the, it's the Spurs. They just really aren't, you're not seeing much. I expect them to make moves this year, though. I expect, I think DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge will be on the move this year. I think one of them, if not both of them, will get traded this season. Just because I think they're kind of in no man's land right now. I think, yeah, maybe if the season starts out well and you get off to a hot start, maybe you ride it and then by the trade deadline you try to bring someone in. But if they sputter out of the gates, I expect them to make moves and make moves quick. And just be like, you know what, we'll just go into the lottery and it's time to hit the reset button and we're moving on. So, not much to report on the Spurs and that's why they're the final team in this division that, we, that I'm speaking on. Just because... They haven't really done anything. So this is one of the better divisions in basketball. And that's topic number two. Topic number three. Here's a really interesting story that I just saw the other day is the Knight Commission. I don't know what that is. So I will inform you people on what that is now. But they endorsed that the FBS, that would be Football Bowl Subdivision, split from the NCAA. <laughs> oh, this is juicy. First of all, it should be this way. The NCAA is terrible. Terrible at policing, enforcing rules, trying to just keep these teams in check. They might as well just be like, you know what, football? Go do your own thing. Go really become this developmental league for the NFL and give these guys a chance to shine. It shouldn't be under the NCAA because, frankly, the NCAA doesn't even crown a football a college football champion. That's what the college football playoff is for. That's what the AP polls are for. That's what all these polls are for. Even for the BCS, it was the BCS national champions. It's the AP national champions. That's why some years, when you go back and look at the history books, it's why UCF a few years ago back in 2017 claimed themselves as national champions. They're able to. As long as a legitimate verified poll puts them at the number one spot, boom, they can claim themselves as national championships. Anyone can claim themselves as national championship as long as a poll validates it and shows that they are. And the poll has got to have credibility to it. So I really think they should do it. So this is what it is. A commission of college uh, athletic leaders recommended Thursday that the best way to repair the NCAA's broken governance model is to remove the teams of the Football Bowl Subdivision, FBS, from the association, forcing the top level of college football to govern itself as a separate entity. <laughs> I mean, then it, it, it's already the Wild West right now of guys getting paid under the table, everything like that. It could ramp that up, but it might, it'll make it better. Just... It needs to just separate. The NCAA just needs to become its own thing and really follow the other sports. Like, yeah, hold on to college basketball. Hold on to all the other sports. Give people the opportunity to compete. But football is its own beast altogether. So I really think that this is a good idea. The Knight Commission, a reform-minded independent group of university presidents, former athletic directors, and others spent the past year studying the current state of college sports before making its recommendation. After surveying a wide swath of college sports stakeholders, the group said it divorced, it said it discovered 
that many leaders in the industry believe the time has come for significant change. It decided that the most effective way to solve a variety of problems is to separate football, an outlier of a sport because of the vast and quickly increasing difference in the revenue it generates. Every other sport looks like a duck and walks like a duck and probably is a duck. Knight Commissioner Co-Chairman Arnie Duncan told ESPN. That one football looks like a... Oh my God, I can't speak. Anyways, it's not like the others. It's had a widely disproportionate impact on everything else. It doesn't make sense. And it really is. When you look at how much college football makes compared to the other sports, it's incredible. When you really look at it, Okay, for instance, this is how you can just look at how ridiculous it is that football makes compared to all the other college pro- college athletic programs that universities have. So when Bowling Green a couple years ago went to play Notre Dame, I went to the game in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium. Quite a thrill. Yeah, Bowling Green lost 52 to nothing. Okay, but Notre Dame wrote a check of $1.8 million to Bowling Green State Athletic Program. That's what they were given. They were just like, hey, we're going to kick your ass, but here's a nice little check for you to come be a warm-up game for us and you know, really get the gears going, really get the offense flowing for us. So thanks, thanks for letting us beat your ass. Here's a nice check. That $1.8 million check funds the entire athletic program at Bowling Green State for, the ne- for that year and for another year. Uh, <laughs> that's... that's what this kind of, that's the kind of money that football generates. There's no other sport where a team, another university will pay another school to come get whooped. It doesn't happen in basketball. It doesn't happen in baseball. It doesn't happen in volleyball. It doesn't happen in swimming and diving. Frankly, there are only two sports in college athletics that actually turn a profit for universities, if they even make them money to begin with. If you have a football program, for the most part, it makes you money. That's why they have 100,000-person stadiums, so they can sell tickets, they can sell merchandise, they have concession sales. That's what it does. Football brings in an immense amount of money. The only other sport that does is basketball. For the most part, though, no other athletic program at these schools brings in money. You can't tell me that the cross-country program at Florida is generating revenue. It's not. It ain't. There's only two sports that really generate revenue for teams. Maybe at some programs, yeah, there's some outliers. Maybe baseball brings in a profit for Texas or one of these bigger schools that always, or Oregon State that always finds themselves in the the college world series but football just is a, t- a different beast altogether when it comes to making money and producing all of this wealth it's just totally separate so he's absolutely right I mean, this guy arnie duncan he knows what he's talking about the commission does not have any authority to na- enact change in college sports but it's Leaders hope Thursday's recommendation will serve as an essential first step in what they see as a needed overhaul of how college sports are governed. The group met with NCAA President Mark Emmert 
on Thursday morning to present its recommendation. It also plans to present its finding to other members of the NCAA for further discussion in the near future. Frankly, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I really think it's only a matter of time before college football completely separates from the NCAA and kind of governs themselves. And the FBS becomes that standing governing body over college football. There's no point for the NCAA to do it because the NCAA has no control. Frankly, it holds back these programs. It would allow um, football to do their own thing and not have to worry about this other governing body over them. I think it just it would just open a lot of doors for college football to be more successful and not have to worry about bowing down to the NCAA, even though they don't. Like college football, the NCAA bows down to college football because uh, they don't even crown a champion. Like they crown a champion for every sport. It's an NCAA championship for college football. It's the college football playoff national championship. Or the Dr. Pepper National Championship. Whatever little sponsor that they're throwing on it. You know, the NCAA has no ruling, for the most part. No control in college football. So it really does need to separate. So I'm a big proponent of this. I would like to see it. So, wow. And I imagine it's only a matter of time. Especially when the NCAA just improved to play players on their name and likeness, oh, that's just only going to open up the door more and more for college football to try and separate from the NCAA to allow them to do their own thing when it comes to paying college athletes. Because really, they're the outliers. When it comes to people talking about, oh, pay the players, pay the players, it really only comes down to football players being paid because they're generating so much wealth for their university. You never hear about it for, unfortunately, the swimming and diving people or the cross-country people, the track and field people. Those pe- those student athletes also need to be compensated for the time and effort that they put in. But when it comes to college football, it's, it's just a totally different beast to deal with. So I would like to see it separated. Moving on, topic number four. Um, so... One team in California will no longer be playing in California for the foreseeable future. That would be the San Francisco 49ers. That's right. Their county, Santa Clara County, ruled that there will be no contact sports at any level. High school, collegiate, and professional. So that means the 49ers cannot play at Levi Stadium there in Santa Clara. So they hit the road and they're headed to Arizona as they will now play in Glendale at State Farm Stadium, home of the Arizona Cardinals. So now it's the Arizona 49ers as well. They are now located in Glendale. They just packed their bags a few days ago to head out and everything. They couldn't even practice in California. So they are really now in Arizona for the foreseeable future. And it's just drastic change for the drastic ridiculous times that we're in now with the COVID-19 pandemic that seems to be ramping back up. The second wave is hitting hard and California is not taking any chances. But that means there are also two other teams in California who might have to plan for this as the state continues to ramp up its lockdown measures. The other two teams happen to be in LA. That would be the Los Angeles Rams and the LA Chargers. They both play at SoFi Stadium. They're going to share a stadium, but they are reportedly planning for practice and playing home games outside of the state of California. 
And this comes, yeah, right after the 49ers made their decision that they can't operate in the state amid the COVID concerns. Um, Yahoo Sports' Charlie Robinson reported Friday that NFL has had communications with both the Chargers and the Rams who play in Los Angeles County about a possible rapid relocation. The Niners move to Arizona and will host the Buffalo Bills at the Cardinals State Farm Stadium on Monday night. So, good Monday night football game right there. A source provided further details to Robinson about the value-evolving um, situation. NFL operations may not be able to continue in California soon, and considering what we are at in the schedule, dramatic changes like the 49ers' relocation of operations could encompass the remainder of the season. That could be the case for all of the teams in California. So I, I really think it's only a matter of time. I mean, here's the Chargers' remaining schedule. On December 6th, they got the Patriots. December 13th, they got the Falcons. December 27th, they got the Broncos. This is our home schedule, by the way. The Rams, December 10th, they got the Patriots. December 20th, they got the Jets. January 3rd, they have the Arizona Cardinals. If the LA teams are forced to relocate, the NFL may have to make further scheduling adjustments after several changes in recent weeks. Uh, related to the coronavirus postponements to finish the campaign on time. I mean, it'll. Where else could they go? I, I mean, I guess they could go. One team could go up to Seattle, but Seattle's had his issues with it. I would imagine uh, they could possibly go to Las Vegas at the Raiders' new stadium. Dallas Cowboys, you know, they're always up to have new people, I guess. Houston, Kansas City, Minnesota, New Orleans. I guess they got options, but wow, it's just, it's crazy how big of an effect that this uh that this pandemic is having even now. Like it's been going on since March. It really has been going on since March and it is not slowing up anytime soon. It's a damn shame. It really is. It's a damn shame that we're still dealing with this. It's still going. Just, mm, I'm over it, but this is what happened. It's starting to ramp back up. Just, dear God, people, wear your damn mask. Jesus, I hate wearing it too, but my God, I want this to end. It needs to end because it has been going on for far too long. It's been going on too long. But a lot of teams, like the, the NFL also said like they don't plan on doing a bubble like the NBA did. I can understand that with the NFL, there are just too many bodies associated with, um, with each NFL team. I mean, they got 53-man rosters, they got practice squad, you got 10 coaches, you got front office staff. It, it adds up to like a hundred people at least. And you, that doesn't even factor in, you know, train trainers and everything of that sort. So it just it's it's a lot of bodies when it comes to having. Uh, an NFL team and if you're going to put them all in one location it's where is the space that will provide that kind of what what facility can they go to that has that much space what kind of bubble are they going to they, they there's not a bubble out there that's got five football fields just available to have games at the NBA is a little different because all you need is a court you just need a couple courts I, that's pretty easy to find all over the place. For the NFL, to find NFL fields that are up to the NFL standards and the player standards that are comfortable for them to then house all of them, uh, it's just drastically different. So, hmm, uh, I, I just don't know. 
I, I don't know if they can really even actually go into a bubble. I really don't. So at this point, wow, it is... <laughs> it's getting very interesting, and we will see. Because the NFL hasn't moved a lot of games. I mean, we just saw a game on Wednesday against the Steelers against the Ravens. And the Ravens were playing RG3. I mean, I didn't even realize what decade we were in when I was seeing that. But they've had to move around a lot of games, a lot of rescheduling. So we'll see if they even finish the full campaign or if they got to push back games. But... The Chargers and the Rams are going to have their back against the wall. Now, I don't believe... Uh, so, yeah, I guess. Chargers are at home tomorrow against the Patriots, but it might be their last home game in L.A. this season. Uh, the Rams are on the road, so wow. Wow, it is just... In 2020, people. 2020. 20. We're seeing things we've never seen before. The 49ers playing home games in Arizona. Uh, we're seeing Wednesday, Tuesday night football games. Just <laughs> oh, it just never stops. So moving on, topic number five, we're, we're going to talk about five big games. I'm giving you my picks. You know how we do this. I'm going to pick the five best games of the week, give you my winners. Uh, last week, I did pretty well, four and one. Went four and one, and you know I should have gone five and one, but for some reason I actually bought into the Colts. Uh, let me tell you, I won't be making the same mistake moving forward, depending on who they play, because I don't believe in the Colts. But needless to say, let's start with the games this weekend. First big one: Titans against the Browns. Both eight and three. I mean, the Titans, they look dominant against the Colts. I still can't believe I picked the Colts to win that game. But Titans, Browns, look, two best backfields in the NFL. You could say the Browns have the better backfield just because they have a second back in Kareem Hunt, who plays alongside Nick Chubb. I mean, they got the best rushing attack in the league, but Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL. It's... <laughs> This is a juicy little game. It's a really a prove-it game for Cleveland. Like, Cleveland... Actually, so my mistake, as of right now, the best rushing attack is the Cleveland Browns. Second is the Tennessee Titans. But that's just because, you know, the Browns are just running the ball more. They're not letting... They're making Baker Mayfield a game manager, just not having him turn the ball over. That's why they've been successful. That's why they've been successful. Last meeting, uh, it doesn't really matter. It happened last year. Titans obliterated them 43-13. Look, I, I just... Tannehill over Mayfield. Um, I just... Uh, I don't know how I could really pick the Browns in this game. Uh, it's in Tennessee. Uh, I think the rushing attack for the uh, Titans will be too much. just don't think the offense is dynamic enough for the Browns. Look, Jar Jarvis Landry went off. They just scraped by a victory against the Jaguars last week, that being the Cleveland Browns. Look, they got a great rushing attack, but I got I just like this Titans team more. This is really a prove-it game for Cleveland, though, to see if this 8-3 and three is really a fluke. Because uh, they haven't beaten... Really, have they beaten a good team this year? Uh, they, they won by two points against the one-win Jacksonville Jaguars. Like they lost 38-6 to against the Ravens. Yeah, they've beaten the likes of the Bengals, the Washington football team. They beat the Cowboys in a shootout. 
they beat the Colts. Okay. Okay. They got whooped by the Steelers. Yeah, they beat the Bengals again. Lost to the Raiders. Uh, scraped by against the Texans 10-7. Beat the Eagles 22-17. And then, like I said, just beat the Jaguars last week. So, who is their best win? I guess against the Colts? <laughs> And it's the Colts. Like, Phillip Rivers is still the quarterback. So this is a big prove-it game for the Cleveland Browns to show that this 8-3 and three ain't no fluke. Uh, that's what this really is about proving. Prove that 8-3 and three isn't a fluke, that you're a legitimate playoff team. I'll give them my tip my cap to the Browns, though. Shout-out to them being 8-3. and three. Second in the division, just behind the undefeated Steelers, ahead of the Ravens. They're not going to have a losing record this year. They already got eight wins. So good for them. Even if they lose the next five games on their schedule, they'll still be 500. They should get into the playoffs. I don't see them as a true contender, though. And for that, I'm going to go with the Titans. Titans winning this one. I I don't want to say they'll blow them out, but I think the Titans will look dominant in this game. They're just, I just like Tannehill more than Baker. I like Henry more than Chubb. And Hunt. So give me the Titans. Second game, Lions against my Chicago Bears. Games in Chicago. Mitchell Trubisky supposed to start for the Chicago Bears team. Nick Foles still battling injury. He was out at practice, but oh my god, I just I'm just so underwhelmed with this Bears team. They've lost five in a row. Look, the Lions just let go of their coach, Matt Patricia, after getting blown out on Thanksgiving. Uh, Matt Patricia no longer coaching them. They're 4-7. and seven. Frankly, the Lions should have beat the Bears in Week 1 had Swift not dropped <laughs> uh, that touchdown in the end zone to end the game. Just They scraped by. They scraped by earlier this year, only one by four. The offense for the Bears... 31st in the league. Rushing attack is the worst in the league. Montgomery can't do anything. Look, the offense just doesn't look dynamic at all. I, if you can just hear it in my voice on how just difficult it is to talk about this Bears team. I just... Like I said like I said in last episode, Nagy's on the hot seat. And if, you lo- if they lose to the Lions, who just fired their coach and GM, if the Bears lose to the Lions this week Nagy might be out of a job he really might I know I said he was on the hot seat and I would expect him to finish the year but if he loses this game and the Bears lose six in a row oh my god oh my goodness (laughs) I I really just ah I don't know I really don't know if I can choose choose the Bears in this game. I mean, the Lions have lost four of their last five games by 10 points. Stafford has one pass TD or fewer in five of his last seven games. But the Bears last game, they just didn't show any fight on the defensive end against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was embarrassing us as he usually does. Uh, The Bears are averaging 24.8 points a game with Trubisky. As the starting quarterback, 
compared to Nick Foles, who's averaging 16.7 points a game as the starter. Chicago is allowing the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this season. The Bears have allowed one individual 100 rushing yard game, and that was to Rondell Jones, who plays for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I, in the last five games, the Bears just have scored 17.6 points a game, 26.8 point games points allowed. It just turnover differential is minus seven. Ugh. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm only talking about it because it's my Bears and it's a big game for them to possibly get to 500 again and back to six to get to six and six. But you know what? I I'm gonna ride it. The pe- Lions lost their coach. They fired him. Stafford has been struggling. Nagy, we're we're gonna we're breaking this five game losing streak. Trubisky. I'm going to believe in him for once in my entire time of being a Bears fan and him being the starting quarterback in his three years. Or what is he, fourth year? It doesn't matter. He's awful. Bears are winning this game. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I just, I can't. If they lose to the Lions. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> Oh, boy, oh, boy, they lose to the Lions. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. So, let's go Bears. Go Bears. Third game, the Los Angeles Rams against the Arizona Cardinals. Both teams coming off losses. Cardinals have lost two in a row after the Hail Mary play. Um, They... Didn't look. They lost to the Patriots in a very ugly, ugly game. I mean, they couldn't really move the ball. Maybe this is where Kyler Murray's hitting that sophomore slump a little bit. I mean, he still looked great this year. The Rams, they're coming off a loss to the 49ers, 23-20. It's a big game for both teams to get back on track. I would say this is probably next to the Cleveland-Tennessee Titans game. This is Second most interesting game of the weekend. Hoo-wee. Do I want McVay or do I want Cliff Kingsbury? Do I like Goff or do I like Murray more? Well, first of all, I like the offense of the Cardinals way more than the Rams. But with that being said, I like the defense of the Rams more than the Cardinals. You know, Aaron Donald... Still there, Jalen Ramsey's going to be matched up against DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to be very tasty, if I say so myself. Rams are 7-4, Cardinals are 6-5. and five. Um, Both are looking up at the Seahawks, who are at the top of that division. It's a good one. It's a very good game. The game's in Arizona. What do we got for me? The Rams have allowed 20-plus points to five opponents this season. That's the fewest in the NFL. The Rams have scored fewer than 30 points in six straight games, the longest such streak of Sean McVay's tenure. Uh, the Rams are 6-0 versus the Cardinals in the Sean McVay era. Whew. Jared Goff has just been a turnover machine. He was rightfully called out by Sean McVay after the game. Hoo-hoo-wee. DeAndre Hopkins... Uh, 
has fewer than 60 receiving yards and zero touchdowns in two straight games for the first time since 2016. It's not going to be any easier with Jalen Ramsey. With all that being said, man, it's tough. It's tough, especially seeing that McVay is undefeated against the Cardinals. That gives me reason to believe that this is the game for the Cardinals to win, but I think they've been struggling. I don't think they found their groove, and I don't think this is the kind of game where they're going to find their groove. I mean, it's the number two offense going up against the number two defense. Last game, the Rams won. Um, this is their first matchup this season, though. Whew. I'm going with the Rams. I'm going with the Rams. I think McVay is going to get into Goff's head. He can't turn the ball over so much. Uh, I just like this defense going up against the Cardinals. Uh, Ramsey against Hopkins. I think Ramsey's going to keep him in check. Um, and the Cardinals fall to six and six. Rams improve to eight and four. But so yeah, I'm going with the Rams. McVay improves to seven and zero against the Cardinals in his coaching career. Fourth game. Uh, what else do we got here, huh? Fourth game. Uh, I would say the next most interesting might have to be that Buffalo Bills against the San Francisco 49ers. Look, the Bills are 8-3. and three. They've been cruising. They've been playing very well um, the past few games. They, they kind of sputtered there for a bit. They beat the Chargers last week, 27-17. to 17. Um, You know, they are going up against kind of... The 49ers will battle. The, the 49ers do battle against teams. That's why I picked this as the fourth most interesting game. Josh Allen leads the Bills with six rushing TDs this season. Um, the 49ers are 22-8 and with Jimmy Garoppolo as the starting quarterback, so he's set to start for the 49ers. He's been battling injuries all year. The Bills are 8-1 and on Monday Night Football since 2000, but they haven't had a team like this. Josh Allen has a uh, 102.3 passer rating this season, the highest in a single season in Bills history. Um... This is the first home game for the 49ers that's not being played at <laughs> their actual home stadium. The game will be taking place in Glendale. Um, that's why it's on Monday night. We get two Monday night games, though, which is nice. Um, the Bills are averaging 370-plus yards per game for the fourth time in franchise history. The last time they did that, they reached the Super Bowl in two of the three such seasons. Haven't played each other since 2016, so really the matchup's irrelevant there. Uh, you know, it, pretty easy to say I'm going with the Bills in this one just because they're the better team. I only picked this one, though, because it's interesting to see that the 49ers are playing in Glendale. 49ers played well against the Rams last week. Rams are fighting for the playoff spot. Bills top of the division in that AFC East. Um... It should be a good game, though. I, I expect the 49ers to challenge them. It's interesting to see that the Bills have not been great on Monday Night Football. So I'm I'm picking the Bills with this one. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy to say that with the records, but I do think the 49ers would challenge them a bit, and it should be an exciting uh, second Monday Night Football game. The the first Monday Night Football game, Steelers against Washington. Uh, we'll talk about that. That is the final game that I want to talk about. So I guess I should have gone in order of when the games happened. So it should be noted that um, Washington and Steelers play on Monday night as well. That game will be on Fox, 5 p.m. Eastern time. 
and then the second game, the actual Monday Night Football game on ESPN, will be the Bills against the 49ers. So the Washington football team finds themselves tied, but with the tiebreaker as of right now, the Giants are at the top of the NFC least. So that's why we're talking about it, just because the Washington football team is tied with the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. But it's Pittsburgh Steelers' schedule. Like the, the wins are not that impressive. The defense has looked great. I will give them that. But let, let me just run down where these 11 wins are coming from. Uh, it, ha- it hasn't been pretty. Okay, look. Beat the Giants week one. Okay, nice. Okay, beat the Broncos week two. All right, those are two teams that have a combined eight wins to this point. Four wins apiece. Okay, then they beat the Texans week three. Texans haven't been great. I mean, they have four wins as well. (laughs) How funny is that? All right. Next win, the Eagles. Another just embarrassment team that is a part of the NFC East. They're, what, 3-7-1? Ugh, terrible. Okay, they beat the Browns, who are 8-3. They beat them 38-7. All right, they beat the Titans as well, 27-24. They beat the Ravens week 8, 28-24. Then they beat the Cowboys, not a good win. Bengals in Week 10, they beat them 36-10. Then they beat the Jaguars in their most recent victory coming against Baltimore for the second time. Barely scraping by. And they had their second unit. And and Baltimore lists a lot of practice time. I mean, RG3 was out there throwing passes. (laughs) I mean, wow. When was the last time you saw him on the field before... Their last game. And they won by five. Now, you could say there are no close wins in the NFL. A win's a win. doesn't matter how it comes. But I, I really think this Washington team is going to give a scare <laughs> to the Steelers. I mean, they, what do they have? The, Washington has a good defense. I think it's the third best defense in the NFL. Correction, fourth. Fourth overall defense. Look, the offense isn't great. Alex Smith, it's just good to see him back on the field. The Steelers lead the NFL in both sacks and takeaways for the third time in the Super Bowl era. No team has done that uh, so more than once in that span. Uh, What else we got here? Ben Laroethlisberger has 250-plus yards and zero sacks taken in four straight games. Hmm, What else we got? Roethlisberger has averaged 100 and 75.8 career pass yards per game versus Washington. That's the fewest he's ever had. Washington has allowed the second fewest passing yards per game this season. So the defense is stout for Washington. And Pittsburgh is the only team to have three wide receivers with 500-plus yards and 300-plus receiving touchdowns. That would be Chase Claypool, Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Like those Notre Dame guy, like that Notre Dame guy, Chase Claypool. He's looked very nice for them. You know what? This will be it. This will be it. I'm going with an upset. We're going. I just the Steelers have not impressed me all year. The defense has looked great, but Roethlisberger just hasn't looked that spectacular to me in watching him at all. I just I haven't seen it. This year from the Steelers, yeah, that record says undefeated 11-0, but it just doesn't seem like a legit 11-0 to me. 
it seems like they've had a bit of a break in the schedule in some down years for some teams such as the Ravens, such as the Texans. So I'm going with the upset. It might be at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. But I'm going to say, go, I'm taking this Washington football team. <laughs> That's right. I'm picking it. Ron Rivera has this team moving in the right direction. Alex Smith, great to see him back on the field. I'm doing it. I'm taking the 4-7 and seven NFC least Washington football team to win this game. Yeah, that's right. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm picking this team. I, I just don't believe in this Steelers team overall. I just, I really don't. I don't believe they are, they are what their record shows. I just haven't seen it from Roethlisberger this year. Uh, the defense is incredible. They have a lot of talent, but I, I don't know. Just 11-0, I'm not impressed by the 11-0. I, I just haven't been blown away by an I've been so underwhelmed. I've never been this underwhelmed by an undefeated team. Like they may have to be the most underwhelming, not great undefeated team to this point at 11 and And that's kind of weird to say because when you're undefeated, it's like, yeah, you're by far for sure the best team. But no, like there, I wouldn't even consider them the number one team in the NFL. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. That'd be the Kansas City Chiefs. A couple other teams that I even like more. I like the Packers more than the Steelers. I like the Bills more than the Steelers. I like the Seahawks more than the Steelers. I like the Saints more than the Steelers. I don't know. I'm just not buying into the Steelers hype. So uh, I'm taking the upset here. Give me the Washington football team. So to run it down real quickly of my picks, uh, when it comes to the Browns playing the Titans, give me the Titans. My Chicago Bears against the Detroit Lions. Give me the Bears. Uh, the third game, the Los Angeles uh, Rams against the Arizona Cardinals. Give me the Rams. In the fourth game, the Washington football team is going to upset the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the final game, the Monday night game, um, after the Steelers game, the Bills take on the 49ers give me the buffalo bills uh, and those are the five topics and now for my unpopular opinion this goes to all sports fans out there every single one of you stop saying you can compete with pros and what i mean by this and it shouldn't be an unpopular opinion. You just shouldn't say stupid things to begin with. But, you know, this is a free thought country and you're allowed to say whatever you want. Just realize you're going to sound stupid when you say it. So a lot of people, I've been caught up in saying this to myself. You know, have you ever just been watching a game? We'll go football, for instance. Have you ever just watched a game and seen a quarterback just look terrible and you're like wow I could complete those passes or you see a wide receiver ball hits him right in the hands or right in the chest and they drop it for what you would assume would be an easy catch and you just go wow I could have caught that pass or you know the NBA you see like a stat line of a guy who shot I don't know one for 15 or something you're like wow 15 shots I could make more than one uh, you know anything along those lines uh, 
All of us have been caught up in saying this at one point. Guess what? We, we need to stop saying that. Because, well, it's not true. It's not accurate. It's dumb. And the reason I think this. So the Broncos, uh, their last game was against the New Orleans Saints. And they looked terrible. First of all, they didn't have any of their quarterbacks on the roster play. They had to have a practice squad guy come in and play quarterback. This guy's name was, uh, what was it? Kendall Hinton. Now, I'm going to tip my cap to Kendall for going out there and actually playing and going out there and competing. He got a chance to be on the NFL field. He's a practice squad wide receiver. He played quarterback at Wake Forest. He's a rookie. They put him in a bad situation, and he did what you would expect. Now, of all the people out there in the world, this would be the guy who shuts up what I'm talking about here. And he's a pro. So, he's got quarterback experience. Yeah, so you would think this is a guy who might make some magic happen. No one's ever game planned for him. You would think he knows the playbook if he's on the practice squad using him in the scheme team. You would think that this guy could come in and you would be like, okay, he's he is going to shock a team and possibly do something spectacular and put up some points, you know, look look nice. Maybe earn himself a contract and become a backup quarterback in the future. You, you never know. This would be the guy to do it because he has quarterbacking experience in the ACC at Wake Forest. No. No, it was bad. It was bad. He completed one pass in nine attempts. He completed more passes to the Saints. He threw two interceptions. He completed more passes to them than he did to his own team. That's right, a guy with collegiate one, division one football experience completed one pass in the NFL. Stop saying you could go out there and do it. Stop saying you could go out there and complete passes. This guy completely shuts that whole argument or that saying up because he has experience, he has ability, and yet he looked awful. He looked like a pedestrian out there against real professionals on in the NFL. <laughs> just people, you just need to be more rational with the things you say. Stop thinking you could go out there. Because first of all, you just think it's so easy to just complete passes to guys. No. Now you got 300-pound defensive linemen who want to put you on your backside, and they don't want to do it gently. As a matter of fact, they want to hurt you when they do it. You also have linebackers who want to do the same thing. As a matter of fact, you got secondary guys who aren't going to allow your receivers to get open. So you got to make the right reads. Oh, but you only have three seconds to do it. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do it. Even if you think in the NBA, it's like, wow, if I was given 10 shots, I could hit one. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. Because even if you got on the court in an NBA game, you wouldn't get a shot off. Guys would play too good a defense. You wouldn't even get the ball. You wouldn't. Even if you were lucky enough to get the ball, you wouldn't get a shot off. The ball would be out of your hand. You would get, it would be stolen from you, taken away before you even put the ball on the floor or even attempted. You might get a dribble in, but that's it. Even if you were lucky enough to hoist up a shot, it would get blocked because you are not a gifted athlete compared to professionals. Uh, and I will say it, I've been caught up in this before. I've done it too. We've all done it. But we need to stop saying it. 
because you just sound dumb saying it. Everyone says it. Oh, I could have caught that pass. You always see it. Wide receiver drops a ball, hits him right in the hands, right in the chest. You're like, wow, how could he drop that? Can't believe he dropped it, especially with those gloves on. Oh, how could he drop that? I could have caught it. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. Here's why. Because you would have been stopped at the line of scrimmage before you even were able to run a route. Even if you attempted to run a route, you wouldn't get open. You wouldn't make separation from the defensive back that you're going against. Even, even if you managed to create separation somehow, the ball would come out too quick and you wouldn't catch it. I'm sorry. Stop thinking you can compete and play with professionals. They make it look so easy because they're so good at it. That's why when you see something bad happens, you're like, wow, how could that happen? It's not like playing basketball at the YMCA. It's not like playing flag football or tackle football with the boys. It's nothing like that. These are professionals who it's their literal job to go out there and compete. And you, you, I'm speaking to everyone, including myself out there. You could not compete with professional athletes. And that's the end of episode 42 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, check me out on social media. Feel free to hit me up. If you have any sports questions, want me to talk about anything, feel free. But until next time, remember, God, just wash your damn hands, people. Sheesh, I'm tired of dealing with this coronavirus, and it is still going full force. Wash your damn hands, wear a mask, Jesus, just do your part in trying to get back to some normalcy. Well, until next time, I'm out. Peace.